Hi, I'm Kyle Caldwell. And I'm Becky O'Connor, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, we speak to Ian Lance, who is co-manager of the Temple Bar Investment Trust, to get his take on the expected recession and, more importantly, how you can navigate through the storm. The first thing to say, Becky, is that I was guilty of, this, of thinking this before speaking to Ian or following the interview. I mean, what I've learned from it is that, you know, a recession, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're in for a nightmare before Christmas. We're not even in a recession yet. It might feel like we already are, but it's not actually being confirmed yet because we've only had one negative quarter of um, negative GDP. We need another negative quarter for the UK to be in a recession And generally, you know, recessions are associated with lower stock market prices. So investors, therefore, should expect higher levels of volatility than usual. But the points that Ian was making in the interview is that, you know, stock markets, they're forward looking. And obviously this year, there's been some steep falls for the UK stock market, particularly the mid and small cap end of the market. And his view is that medium-sized and U- and smaller-sized UK shares, they're already reflecting the fact that the UK is about to enter a recession. So it's not necessarily doom and gloom looking forward. Yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a nightmare after Christmas rather than a nightmare before Christmas. But it's the thing, I mean, th- so there's the stock market performance in a recession. And obviously, we've had a cost of living crisis and food and energy price rises, which make it feel very recessiony. But the, the things that are missing, I suppose, that you would tend to get in a normal classic recession are job losses and, well, house price falls too. And of course, interest rates rising is over time going to make mortgages less affordable and we're seeing some softening of house prices. But in terms of job losses, we're not really seeing that yet, are we? That's that's completely right, Becky. And among the four managers I've been speaking to, the sort of consensus view is that we're going to be in for like a prolonged, shallow recession. So they, they don't think it's going to be as bad as what it was like during the global financial crisis. But they do think it's not going to be something that's going to last a couple of quarters. It could last you know, potentially 18 months. Of the more sort of bearish fund managers that have been speaking to recently, the points that they've been making is that the big question going forward is company earnings. So some fund managers have made the point to me that some company earning forecasts for 2023, they're too optimistic. They're not reflecting the fact that we're going to enter this recessionary environment. And then if those earnings forecasts, if they're then downgraded, you know, the market is then likely to take a dim view of that and cause share prices to fall. So that's the other side of the argument, really. There's an old stock market saying that two views make a market. So I suppose, you know, in 12 months time, we'll come back and see who was correct. So let's go to the interview with Ian. I started by asking him if a recession is already being priced into the stock market, and if so, whether the UK mid and small caps are the main focus of this, given their steep falls in 2022. I think it is being priced into the market already, and let me give, try to give you a bit of evidence for that. Um, the first one is if you li- literally just look at the performance of different sectors year to day, the best performing sectors are the most offensive ones. So they are things like um, tobacco and consumer staples. The worst performing sectors year to day are autos, house builders and retailers. And all those, you know, some of those sectors are down, have, have basically halved year to date. So that certainly suggests that a recession is being priced in. The second data point is that year to date, the FTSE 100 is is unchanged. The FTSE 250, which is probably more domestically orientated and maybe more more cyclical, is down about 20%. So to your point, that does look does look like a recession is being priced in. And the final one that I'll say is we, we have a chart that goes back about sort of 30 years and it's just the gap in valuations between defensive stocks and cyclical stocks and 
as you go into a recession, of course, you know that that gap goes goes out because people basically buy defensive stocks and sell cyclical stocks because they're worried about recession. Um, and we're at the same level today that we were at the start of the pandemic in the 2008 financial crisis after 9-11, you know, Asian financial crisis, you get the picture. So every time there's been a sort of threat of some sort of recession, you get that big spread in uh, in, um, in valuations between defensive and cyclical stocks. And of course, the thing to do at that point in time is buy the cheap cyclical stocks, not buy the expensive defensive stocks. You've made some compelling arguments why you think that the prospects of recession has always been priced into the market. But how about a possible earnings slowdown in 2023? Is that being priced in at all? I think undoubtedly we'll, we will see further earnings downgrades next year. Um, it, it, it really comes back to on, on what type of investor you are. Personally, I am a I'm a long-term intrinsic value investor. So I basically think that you, know, you can estimate the value of most businesses and funnily enough, actually, a, a, ch- a change in earnings um, over one or two years actually doesn't change the long-term value of the business. We've actually done uh, studies before where we've done a, uh, you know, a net present value of, so let's say, 25 years of cash flows. You can set the first two to zero. So you can basically sort of model a recession in which the earnings go to zero and the net present value goes down by 10%. But you know the share price would not go down by 10%. The share price would go probably half or, or more than that. So, sorry, this is, this is a kind of long-winded way of saying that I think in, in recessions, people tend to overreact. People tend to focus too much on near-term earnings movement. So you, you, you may well be right, and those other fund managers may, may well be right. Earnings may go down last year. I, ju- I just don't think it's that important. And actually, I'd go further than that. I think it's your opportunity actually to buy really cheap shares because other people do think it's important. Could you give some examples of you know cheap shares where you think the, the market has been overreacting that you have exposure to in Temple Bar Investment Trust? Okay, so let, I suppose let, let me give you some of our biggest fallers um, year to date. And they're, and they're all cyclicals. ITV down 32% year to date. Uh, Marks and Spencer's down 47% year to date. IDS, which is International Distribution Systems, the company formerly known as Royal Mail, is, has halved basically year to date. Curry's uh, down 31% year to date. WPP down 25%. So, so, so those those are all stocks, you know, where we've seen big declines. Let, let, let me now give you a couple of examples of why I think some of those shares are cheap. I'm going to start maybe with uh, international distribution systems, Royal Mail. People people will know it for the for the business that which basically delivers their post every day, but they they probably might not know that it's got a European parcels business. That European parcels business, the company have said, will make about 350 million pounds this year. That's about 35p of earnings. Put that 35p of earnings on, let's call it 10 times. That's a pretty low multiple. You you, you get to three pounds fifty, yeah. A valuation of that Euro- European business. The company have got about one pound fifty of um, properties, excess properties that they can sell. So add those two together, that's five quid. Share price today, just over two pounds. So. Just that European business and the and the and their properties five quid and you know there, there, there's another interesting factor here which is that there's a family office sat there owning over twenty five percent and still buying shares, which might or might not lead to a takeover at some some stage. Um, so that that would be one example. Uh, another example might be uh, Marks and Spencers. Marks and Spencers, um, you know, point point number one. Uh, nearly um, two-thirds of their profits comes from food retail business. Food retailing is not particularly cyclical. Um, so actually, they're probably less less cyclical than people think. We think that not this year, but in, in the fullness of time, if you if you reflect management guidance in the, in the earnings forecast, they could make about 25p of earnings. 
uh, share price today just over a pound, so just over four times earnings. So, and, and, and the, you know, there's a whole raft of them. If, if I said to you that the weighted average price earnings ratio across our portfolio today was nine times, you know, you, you, you'd be amazed. But, but that's sort of, that reflects the level of bearishness, I think, across the cyclical stocks. And in terms of consumer discretionary stocks in general, are there certain subsectors of that sector that you're more wary of, given that we may be entering a period of you know recession where there'll be an anticipated fall in consumer spending? Well, I mean, yes, we're wary in terms of sort of, the, the, you know, curries might actually be a good example of that. I think, you know, in a, in a really nasty recession, people can not, you know, upgrade the flat screen TV or not upgrade the mobile or, or whatever. And, and therefore, they're probably quite sensitive there. Low margin businesses obviously tend to be more at the sharp end and, and they make a 3% margin, etc. But but again, I would kind of bring it back to I bring it back to the share price. You know, again, people might not know actually, they're the number one electrical retailer in all the Nordics countries. They have a, a business called Elchop. We we reckon Elchop itself is is probably worth over a pound, and the share price today is eighty p. So you know, an, another great great example of of, of a sort where yeah, they, they definitely could be at the sharp end, but we think it's more than reflected in the share price. And which companies do you invest in? In, you know, within consumer discretionary stocks that you think are looking best placed to sort of weather the storm of a fall in consumer spending? Marks is the one that I've mentioned but for, for, for kind of two reasons, actually. One is this point about the fact they've got a large food retailing business. The second one, though, actually, is that they are there's an underlying story of improvement there that's going on that, again, pre- people probably don't appreciate. New, new management team who have massively improved their online presence. They're now the second biggest online closed retailer in the UK behind Next Directory. If you went back five years ago, they, they basically weren't in on, on, online. So, you know, there, there are some sort of structural changes going on there on clothing and home that, that I think will, will come through in the fullness of time. And, and we know the food retailing business is, is a good business. So that, you know, that'd be one example. Another one actually would be ITV. And there's, there's, a, there's another kind of company specific reason here, which is that I don't know if people listening to this would remember, but last year they announced a big investment into a project called ITVX, and ITVX is their streaming service. It's due to launch in the next um, year or so. That necessitated a big investment, about 150 million quid of investment. And of course, what that meant is in the short term, earnings went down because of the cost of that investment. But one, you know, one would hope that in the fullness of time, that investment pays off and you know, the company is in a substantially better position. So although they are exposed to um, short-term advertising declines, let's not forget they've got a, you know, the studios business, again, is over 50% of the profits. And that, that continues to grow. And as I say, the launch of this ITVX business is, 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 I think, something to look forward to. And while, you know, the prospects of recession, it makes you know, a lot of investors very fearful, your argument is the complete opposite, which is now is actually a great time to potentially go bargain hunting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it, it, it's funny, isn't it? I think people, I'm, I'm imagining that most people um, listening to this have probably seen the film The Big Short. And people, people sort of like this idea of, you know, people going against the crowd. But then when it comes to, to themselves, they find it very, very difficult to do. To do. Um, but but it is something that, that that does pay off. You know, if, if, if I look back on our most successful investments, myself and Nick have been running money for over 30 years. During the financial crisis, we, we literally were sat there buying, you know, the banks, the house builders, the insurance companies, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, all the, all the, all the stocks that everyone was sort of coming out of. And the, the reason is, of course, because you, you need periods of time when people become fearful. And when they become fearful, they, they tend to become a little bit irrational. They, they tend to just panic a little bit. 
and not think about the long-term value of things. They just look at the share price every day. They see it going down every day and they just think, get it off my portfolio. And I suppose all I would say is that those th- those present the opportunities for people willing to kind of extend their time frame and say, you know what, I'm, I'm actually not that fussed about this year's earnings or sort of the next 18 months earnings. I, what I'm interested in is over the next five years, what's this what's this business worth? And then effectively, you, if you, you use other people's overreaction and, and, and panic, as you say, as an opportunity to, to to go and buy some bargains, and it's you know I, I will just say by the way it's it's it is not an it's not an easy thing to do. It is really hard because every time you pick up the newspaper, there's going to be an article in there telling you that you know the stock that you've just bought is, is an absolute catastrophe. So emotionally, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. But it, you know over the long period of time, it, it is an investment strategy that works. I wanted to also ask you about the prospect of stagflation so i'm continuing continuing here with the doom and gloom you know we've not had stagflation in the uk since the 1970s do you think that stagflation is present now and how much is that concerning you um okay so so i'll I'll start by saying that i you know i i personally don't place a lot of weight on on macroeconomic forecasts and by the way i'm speaking to someone who's an economist i I studied economics at university I, i i've never met many people who who can successfully forecast the macro and i think to to do that and also design a portfolio around it's very 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 hard so what i tend to do is I tend to kind of look at history and, and use history as my guide. So I'm just going to give you a couple of data points, which maybe would help people with how they think about inflation. So the first one is, there was a study by Deutsche Bank that I uh, looked at the other day. They'd looked at 50 developed market and emerging market countries. Uh, when inflation had gone above 8%, and of course, we are above 8% today, it had taken on average two years to go back below 6%. Another data point, this was um, this, this I, I heard the, uh, the, the sort of well-known US fund manager, Stanley Druckenmiller, make this point the other day. When inflation has gone above 5%, it's never come back below 5% without interest rates going above the rate of inflation. Well, in this country today, you know, our last inflation print was 11 and our interest rates are about, you know, three and a bit at the moment. So th- that would kind of suggest to you, wouldn't it, that inflation is um, probably with us for the moment. I guess going back to your reference of the 1970s, that I do find really interesting, actually. And we, we have studied this period. And, and funnily enough, actually, our strategy, by our strategy, I mean value investing, did very well in the 1970s through that stagflationary period. And there were two reasons for it. And, a, and actually, both of them, by the way, have relevance to today. The first one is that going into that period, we'd, we'd had something called the Nifty 50 boom. So that was similar to the sort of fang phenomena that we had in the last couple of years. It was a, a new group of companies in those days. This will make people laugh, but it was, it was companies like Kodak and Polaroids and you know IBM and so on and so forth. And they were companies that were regarded as being so strong that you could just pay any price for them. And of course, during the 1970s, actually, that, that thesis didn't work out at all. They were they were a disastrous investment. And, and on the other side of the spectrum, you had a, a cohort of very cheap value stocks. And that, that's similar to today. So that, that's point number one. Point number two is it actually, if you look at the, I suppose, what's in that value index, it was industries which do well in an inflationary environment. So things like energy and mining and things like that. And again, I think that is relevant to today. I think those sectors look poised probably to do well in a in a sort of stagflationary environment and it's a, you know those those are sectors you know you won't be surprised to hear that we have quite high exposure to given you're a stock picker you know you don't shape your investment decisions on the wider macroeconomic backdrop but how much of a bearing and if any does a recession or a potential stagflation taking hold have on the portfolio in terms of how you invest 
It doesn't really. You, as I say, we, we, we tend to think about it more as a sort of something that will provide us with opportunities. The, I mean, the, the only caveat that I'll say is that when we look at the companies that we're invested in, we, we do obviously have to think about, you know, over the next 18 months, if there is a slowdown, what's that going to happen? What's that going to do to their cash flows? And do they have the financial strength to be able to make it through that period? Because it's, it, you know, it's fine if they've got, if they've got a, you know, theoretically, they might be very cheap. But if between now and arriving at that theoretical value, you know, they have to have a rights issue, then you as a shareholder are going to get diluted down. So you you have to make sure that you're invested in businesses which have the sort of financial strength to weather a downturn. And, and in actual fact, most of the companies that we look at today have got that financial strength. And the reason is because, funnily enough, the, the pandemic was almost a bit of a sort of dry run for what we're going through now. You know, th- those companies, they went through the pandemic. They strengthened their balance sheets. They cut their costs. A lot of them cut their dividends. So a lot of them have got very high dividend coverage at the moment. So actually, they're going into this recession probably in a much better shape than they would have done had we have not had the pandemic a couple of years ago. Thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you want us to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.